Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time where we can come this morning and consider the birth of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that as we look into what your word says about his mother Mary and the angel Gabriel, we pray that we may understand a little further about who he is and what he has done. Lord, we pray that you may equip me to say your words here this morning. And so we pray that you may touch the hearts of those gathered here this morning so they may trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, whenever anybody is going to have a child, when they're going to have a baby, there are lots of questions that run around in the person's head. One big question that the parents will ask is, what will the gender be of my child? I've got a 50-50 chance of getting a boy or a girl, and it's always a question of which am I going to get? Now, some people try and find out early uh, using ultrasound, but of course that's not 100% reliable. Uh, They have a pretty good uh, reliability, but nevertheless, some people have been told that they're having a little girl when, surprise, surprise, it turns out to be a boy or vice versa. With us, when we had our two children, we kept them as a surprise, that it would be a surprise on the actual day of their birth, that we'd find out whether we were having a little boy or a little girl. Today, we're going to look at one mother in particular and her child, and some of the questions that she would have been asking about her child, her unborn child, and finding out the answers to those questions. Who is that mother and that child that we'll be looking at today? Well, of course, it's the mother, Mary, and her son, Jesus. We first meet Mary in the book of Luke in our Bibles when an angel comes to her and speaks to her about her unborn child. And we see that in chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel. If you've got a church Bible there, I encourage you to have it open to page 1012 because this is the passage we'll be looking at this morning. 1012. And in Luke chapter 1, we first meet this woman, Mary. We read from verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. So here we see this angel Gabriel come to this woman Mary and tell her that she is expecting. Now this is not the usual way that people find out that they're expecting, that they're going to have a child. I mean, they didn't have pregnancy tests in those days that are uh, the reliable tests that we have today. But nevertheless, uh, this angel comes with this news to Mary that she is expecting. And this isn't the only piece of news that he has. He actually has quite a bit to say about Mary's future son. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. What does he say about Mary's future son? And so that brings me to my first main point this morning. Mary's son will be a human son. Mary's son will be a human son. If you want to follow my main points This morning, they're there printed on the back of your church bulletin. If you look at the back there, you'll see my main points all listed there and you can follow along. And the first one this morning is that Mary's son will be a human son. And we see that in verse 31. 
You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Mary's son will be male, which answers the gender question. This, uh, this angel is pretty good. He not only tells you that you're pregnant, he actually can tell you what gender the child will be, just like uh, the modern test today, but even more reliable. Uh, there's a test that can tell you whether you're pregnant, and then there's a test that can tell you whether you're having a male or a female. And here this angel uh, is able to answer the question of whether she's having a child, yes, and he's also been able to say that the child is going to be male. And he also says that the child will be born in the ordinary way from a human woman. He'll be a healthy child. He won't be a stillborn child that won't grow up. He won't have any sort of defects. He will be a healthy little boy. And he will be indeed fully human. And you may say, oh, that's a bit of a strange thing to actually have as your first main point. Mary's son will be a human son because, of course, what else is she going to have? Of course she's going to have a human. Humans have humans. But this is a very important point to understand because of what we'll find out shortly also about who Mary's son is. And some people disparage the fact that Mary's son was human. They say he wasn't fully human, but indeed he was. And the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she is having this, going to have this little boy. And does the angel's word come true? Is he indeed a reliable uh, tester of Mary's uh, future son? Yes, indeed, it does come true. And we read that in chapter 2, verse 1 through to verse 7. I ask you to flip over one page in your Black Church Bibles to page 1014, chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel. And in verse 1 we read, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Did the angel know the future? Yes, indeed he did. He knew that Mary would have a child and not only knew that she would have a child but that she would also have a son. She would give birth to a healthy little boy. But what else did the angel Gabriel tell Mary about the future of her son? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Mary's son will be great. Mary's son will be great. Now, all parents, I think, hope that their child will be significant to some degree, that their child will make some sort of impact upon the world, that their child might be one of the great ones in this world who others look up to and hold up as someone to be exalted in this world. And some parents think that the best way to do that is for their child to become a doctor or maybe a lawyer or maybe even a politician. Some parents might not want their child to become a politician. Well, I would like my child to become, grow up and become a great, well, particularly my son, a great builder or a mechanic, because those are two areas that I feel very inadequate in. I'm not very good when it comes to constructing things, and I'm not very good when it comes to motor vehicles. And so it would be wonderful if my son grows up to be great in those areas. 
that he would be a great builder or a great mechanic and so that then he can help me in those areas where I am completely deficient. The question then is, Mary's son is going to be great. How will he be great? How will he be significant in this world? And so the angel doesn't just tell us in verse uh, tell us in verse 32 that he will be great. He also tells us how this son will be great. And that brings me to my third main point this morning. Mary's son will be the son of the Most High. Mary's son will be the son of the Most High. And we see that there in verse 32. He, that's Mary's son, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. One way to achieve greatness in this world is to be born to significant parents, to have parents who are great in themselves. It usually means a leg up on the way to significance. You see this sometimes with actors' children. They're automatically celebrities simply because of who their parents are. And then, of course, if they want to go into some sort of role in acting, well, they're automatically given a little bit more leniency, I think, or a little bit more of a push uh, to go in that direction, and people will probably hire them. Just the other night, Jill and I watched a movie by uh, with a very famous actor in it, and it also had his son. And it was the two of them throughout much of the movie together uh, acting in this uh, blockbuster film. How did that son get that role? Well, I wonder how much his father had to do with him getting that role, and now he is a famous actor just because of who his father is. So how is Mary's son going to get a leg up? How is he going to be significant? Well, it's who his father is. Who is his father? The Most High. Who is the Most High? Well, this is a reference to God. It's a name for God in the Old Testament. He is called the Most High. And so this means Mary's son is not only going to be fully human, but Mary's son is going to be fully God. He is going to be fully divine. He will be God himself come in the flesh on this world. Because when he claims to be son of God... He is making a divine claim. He is claiming that he is God. And we see that in the life of Jesus, when he actually talks about being God's son, people get very angry because they recognize that he is claiming to not only be God's son, but to be God himself. And we read that in John chapter 5, verse 18, another one of the gospels about Jesus Christ. John chapter 5, verse 18 It says, for this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill Jesus. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The Jews knew that when Jesus calls himself God, he uh, calls himself the son of God, that God is his father, that the most high is his father, he is making a divine claim, and that he is God himself. Now, did the angel's word come true? Did God really reveal that Jesus is his son, that Jesus is divine? Well, we see just a few pages over in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 21, I encourage you to flip to it, page 1016 of your church Bibles. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21, God himself declares that Jesus is his son. And he does it 
audibly from heaven. We see that in verse 21 through to verse 22 of Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says, When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Not only did the angel Gabriel say that Mary's son would be the son of the Most High, that he would be God himself, God himself declared it from heaven. And if that wasn't enough for people to know that Jesus was indeed God's son, what is the other proof that Jesus was the son of God? One of the big proofs that Jesus is the son of God The biggest proof, probably of all, is his resurrection from the dead. Romans chapter 1 says, uh, Paul in Romans chapter 1, he opens up his letter. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son. The gospel that God promised through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. Paul is saying quite clearly, as to his human nature, he is a descendant of David. He is human. And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. How do you know that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. How do you know that he is Son of the Most High? How do you know that the angel Gabriel was telling the truth? Did Jesus come back from the dead? Did Jesus die and then come back alive? If he did, that is a declaration that God indeed says he is his Son and that Jesus is God himself. The resurrection is of vital importance to all of Christianity because it supports so many of the claims of Jesus Christ and one of the big claims of who he is in himself and that is that he is divine. Jesus Christ is indeed fully human but he is also fully divine. Next time the Jehovah's Witnesses come round to talk to you about who Jesus is, they will tell you that Jesus is not divine. They don't believe what the angel Gabriel said. They don't believe what the scriptures say. They don't believe the resurrection testifies to the fact that Jesus is indeed God himself. But the Bible says he is. And that's what you must show them. There are people who do not like the fact that Jesus is himself divine. But that is what the Bible says. And we must accept God's word. We must test the Bible, yes. We must question it, yes. And we must look particularly at what it says about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But indeed, the Bible is a reliable book. I've been studying it for many years. And I see it is reliable about what it says about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did indeed happen, if there's no other explanation for the empty tomb, then Jesus is indeed who he claims to be and who the angel Gabriel claims that he is, and that is that he is God himself. So we've seen that Jesus, uh, that Mary's son will be great. We've seen that Mary's son will be great because he is the son of the Most High. What else does the angel Gabriel tell us about Mary's son? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Mary's son will be king. Mary's son will be king. 
And we see that in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Verse 32 of Luke chapter 1, page 1013. 1013, Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, another way to achieve greatness in this world, of course, is to be great in your job, to have a great job. After all, those who have very significant jobs in this world, we know their names, generally speaking. If you're a head of a large company, most people start to know your name. The name Bill Gates, the name Steve Jobs. Most people have some idea of who they are. Why? Because they have a significant job. They've been part of a very major company in this world. And so Mary's son will be significant, not just because of who his dad is, but because of what he will do, what his job will be. And what is that job? He will be king. Now, Mary wasn't probably expecting that her son would be king. She's not like Kate Middleton and thinks that she will be having a royal, the next king of England. So then she would be saying, well, how can my son be king? Don't you have to usually be connected to the royals in some way to be king? If you want to be the king of England, well, then you need to be connected to the royal family. Well, Mary is part of the royal family, part of that, that series of royals who were indeed the kings of Israel. She is indeed a descendant of David. And we see even that uh, the, the, um, the, foster, well, the adoptive father of Jesus is also a descendant of David. Just back in verse uh, 26 and 27, we read, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. But we also know through genealog- uh, genealogical lists that Mary is also a descendant of David. Jesus is indeed connected to the royals. He is a descendant of David. And so Mary's son will therefore reign over the house of Jacob. It says there in verse 32, uh, verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Jacob is another name for Israel. He will reign over the kingdom of Israel. And not only that, but his kingdom will be unlike any other kingdom on the earth. How is that? Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Will Microsoft continue forever? Will Apple continue forever? For you Apple lovers out there, I'm sorry to say that Apple will not be forever. But Jesus' kingdom will go on forever. And Jesus will continue to reign over that kingdom forever. Bill Gates is no longer head of Microsoft. Steve Jobs is no longer head of Apple. But Jesus is still head 2,000 years after the fact. Jesus is still head of the kingdom of Israel. But how do you know that this actually came true? How do you know that the angel Gabriel's words about Jesus being the king of Israel actually did take place? Well, we see that Jesus is declared the King of Israel even at his crucifixion. Just flip with me in Luke's Gospel to, page, uh, to chapter 23, verse 38, which is found on page 1046. Page 1046 of your church Bibles. 
Same book that we've been looking at, Luke chapter 3, verse 38, little number 38. As Jesus is put upon the cross, they also put a sign above his head. Did Jesus have any control of that sign that was put above his head? No, he was dying a painful death. He had no control over what this governor would say about him over his head. Luke chapter 23, verse 38, page 1046 of the Black Church Bibles, we read, there was, written a no- there was a written notice above him, that's Jesus, which read, this is the king of the Jews. Jesus was indeed the king of the Jews. He was the king of Israel. And then we see in Revelation chapter 1, the Apostle John sees a revelation and he hears this. He, see, he hears, To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Jesus is indeed king, not just king of Israel, but king of the kings of the earth. He reigns over all things. John saw it there and he revealed it in the book of Revelation to us. The words of the angel Gabriel did indeed come true. Jesus was born in a very humble way. He died a very humble death. But he is indeed the king who reigns over not just Israel but all the world. Mary's son, will he be great? Yes. And he is great even today. What else does the angel Gabriel tell Mary about her son's future, though? Well, that brings me to my fifth and last main point this morning. Mary's son will be named Jesus. Mary's son will be named Jesus. And we see that in Luke chapter 1 as well. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Luke chapter 1, verse 31, page 1013. 1013 of your Black Church Bibles, we read, You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. You are to give him the name Jesus. Now we all know, well, those of us who are parents, the difficulties of actually naming your children. Having to work out a name for a child can be difficult, particularly if there are two parents, which generally there is, involved in the decision. One parent will like one name and another parent will like a different name. And, uh, and then some people may be expecting that they're going to have a girl and they've got a name picked out for the girl and then it turns out that they actually have a boy and there's all kinds of problems. I was actually nameless myself for a couple of weeks after I was born. My parents couldn't work out what to call me. They had expected that they would have another girl. They already had two girls, my two older sisters, and they thought there's no way we're having a boy, uh, we're going to have a girl. And so I was supposed to be named Jerusha which, for those of you who don't know, is King Jotham's mother, mum. Yes, King Jotham of Judah in the Old Testament. His mum is called Jerusha. Now, many people have heard that story and thought it's probably a very good thing you weren't a girl, Joel, because Jerusha is such an awful name, and I'm quite pleased that I'm not called Jerusha. But it wasn't until someone at church commented to my parents that they should call me Joel. And they thought, yeah, Joel, that's a, that's a good name. And, but for a while there, my parents went through that whole difficulty of trying to work out what are they going to call this little boy that they have been blessed with. And here we see the angel Gabriel helping Mary out. Is that what he's doing here? 
it's a difficult decision, Mary. You're going to have to have a child and you're going to have to work out what you're going to call this child and it's going to be a great child. So you've got to make sure that he has a great name to go with his great job. Is that what he's doing here? No. The angel Gabriel is not simply helping Mary out by giving her the name of the child. But he knows that this child is going to do something very special with his life, something very great with his life, and his name needs to signify what this little boy is going to do with his life. Because I know in our culture we often give names to children and it has no significance to what we think that child will do with their life. We have called our daughter Philippa, which in Greek means a lover of horses. Now, I don't like horses. I don't expect my child will like horses. And if she does like horses and wants a pony for her birthday when she grows up, I'm not going to get her a pony for her birthday, even though her name means lover of horses. She can love little plastic ones if she really likes horses. But in cultures like this, it was often very significant what you named your child. And Jesus means what? Jesus means the Lord saves. It is a Greek equivalent of the Old Testament name of Joshua, which means Yahweh, Yahshua, the Lord saves. And Jesus is going to save people. He's going to save people from what? From their sins and from the wrath of God for their sin. Little Joshua, little Jesus is going to grow up and do the amazing thing of offer his life at the cross as a sacrifice for sins so that people can be saved from their sin and from God's wrath that they deserve for all the rebellion, all the wrong things they have done in this life against God. Now, did the angel Gabriel's word come true? Did Mary's son really grow up and fulfill the name of Jesus? Well, yes, we see that he he did indeed get the name Jesus. We read over into, uh, flip with me over into Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Did he get the name Jesus? Luke chapter 2, verse 21, page 1015. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. Okay, so first step, achieved. But did he actually achieve what that name signifies, that the Lord saves? Well, yes. We see that in John chapter 3, verse 17, we read, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But can Mary's Son save us from our sins? Yes, he may have saved the world at that time, saved many people from their sin. But can he save us today? Well, John chapter 3, verse 17 continues on into John 3, 3, verse 18. It says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. How do you have Jesus save you from your sins? It is by believing in him. If you trust that Jesus Christ died for you, you automatically have Jesus as your king and saviour. 
and you become a part of that kingdom that will never end, that goes on and on forever, if you trust that Jesus Christ died for you. And I encourage you, if you've never done that before, if you've never trusted that Jesus Christ died for you, do it this morning. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You don't know what might happen to you this afternoon, and you'll never have a chance to do it again. Trust in Jesus Christ today. Trust that he is indeed the one who saves you from your sin, as only he can. You can't make up for your sin. You can't make up for the wrong things you have done. Trust that he died at the cross for you and become a part of the kingdom that never ends. And if you are a Christian, if you are someone who has Mary's son save you from your sin, do you remember that he is indeed king of your life as well? Some people are very happy to take Jesus as their saviour but not very happy to take him as Lord of their life, King of their life. We've got to remember that Jesus is great because he is Saviour. He does that great act of saving us as only he could do, but he's also our King. And so often we live our lives as though he saves us, but we get to do, we get to call the shots in our lives. We get to do what we want. Do you have Jesus as your King? Do you affirm that he is great in your life, not just because he's saviour, but because he's king of your life? He tells you what you can and can't do in your life. You want to obey him and serve him faithfully because he is that great saviour of yours and also your great king. My prayer this morning that everybody in this room has Jesus as their saviour and also as their king. Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray to him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of the angel Gabriel that reveal so much about the life of Jesus Christ. Reveal about his humanity, he reveals about his divinity, he reveals about his greatness through being king over everything. He also reveals that he is our saviour and that is a marvellous truth to remember. As we reflect on Jesus' birth, we reflect that he grew up to die the death that we deserve for our sins. Lord, we pray that we may indeed, everyone in this room, take Jesus as Saviour and take him as our King. And may we never live another day without affirming the greatness of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we pray this in your Son, Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.